Hello and welcome to the Bible Podcast, where we read through the Bible in a year, just a few chapters each day. Today is March 27th, and we're beginning the book of Samuel. The four books following Ruth are called by the Greeks, and also in some Latin Bibles, the History of the Reigns. Others call them all the Books of Kings, because they give an account of the establishment of the monarchy and of the succession of the kings, who reigned over the whole kingdom at first, and over the kingdoms of Judah and Israel after its division. At the beginning of these books, it's given the history of the prophet Samuel, which gives light to that of the kings. The Jews call the first two of these books the books of Samuel, perhaps because they contain the history of the two kings, who were both anointed by Samuel, and because what is said of Saul in the first and of David in the second proves it the truth of Samuel's prophecies. They give the name of the books of kings only to the other two, which in the Latin and French Bibles are called the third and fourth books of kings. The first book of kings, or the first of Samuel, contains the history of the high priest Eli of Samuel and of Saul. As the first year of Eli's high priesthood falls on the year of the world, 2848, and the death of Saul in 2949, the history of this book must comprehend the space of 101 years. The second contains the reign of David, which is the history of about 40 years. It is commonly believed that Samuel, Nathan, and Gad were the writers of these two books, and indeed they are called, in the end of the first book of Chronicles, David's historians. The third, or according to the Hebrews, the first book of Kings, begins with the elation of the manner in which Solomon came to the throne and contains the whole of his reign. After that, an account follows of the division of the kingdom and the history of four kings of Judah and eight kings of Israel. All these reigns, including that of Solomon, which occupies the first 40 years, comprise the space of 126 years. The fourth of these books containing the history of 16 kings of Judah and 12 kings of Israel. It likewise gives an account of the prophets who lived during this time. It is quite uncertain who were the writers of the last two mentioned books, but they are by some attributed to Jeremiah or Ezra, but no very convincing proofs have been produced to support this opinion. It is evident indeed that these books form a varied collection of several particular histories. The name of Paralipomena, which in Greek signifies the history of things omitted, is given to the two books which follow those of the kings. These form, in fact, a supplement containing what had been omitted in the Pentateuch and the books of Joshua, Judges, and Kings, or rather they contain a fuller description of some things that had been therein only briefly related. Some give them the name of Chronicles because they are very exact in mentioning the time when every transaction happened. We divide them into two books, as do also the Jews, who call them Debera Hanim, that is, a historical journal, the matters of which they treat having been taken from the journals of the kings. In the original language, however, the word days often signifies the year, and in this sense we may understand them to signify properly annals. The generally received opinion is that Ezra was the writer of these. In the first book, he begins with a succinct historical abridgment from the creation of Adam to the return of the Jews from their captivity. And then he resumes the history of David and carries it on to the consecration of Solomon. 
that is, down to the year B.C. 1015. The history contained in the second book reaches down to the year before Christ, B.C. 536, when upon the expiration of the 70 years of captivity, Cyrus gave the Jews permission to return to their own country. Okay, so today, March 27th, we'll be covering Samuel chapter 1 through 3 in a book totaling 31 chapters. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Once there was a man from Ramathaim Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elehu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, from the tribe of Ephraim. He had two wives. The name of the first wife was Hannah, and the name of the second, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Every year, Elkanah would leave his town and go to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he would give portions of it to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. He would give an extra portion to Hannah to show his love for her, even though the Lord hadn't given her any children. Her rival, the other wife, would taunt her badly to upset her because the Lord hadn't given her any children. This went on for years. Whenever Hannah went to the Lord's temple, Penina would taunt her until she cried and couldn't eat. Hannah, what are you crying for? Her husband Elkanah would ask. Why don't you eat? Why are you so upset? Aren't I better to you than ten sons? One time when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to the temple. Eli the priest was sitting on his seat by the entrance to the Lord's temple. She was terribly upset and prayed to the Lord as she cried and cried. She made a vow asking, Lord Almighty, if only you would pay attention to the suffering of your servant and remember me and not forget me, but give me a son. Then I will dedicate him to the Lord for his whole life and no razor shall ever touch his head. As Hannah went on praying before the Lord, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying in her head and though her lips were moving, her voice made no sound. Eli thought she must be drunk. Do you have to come here drunk? He asked. Get rid of your wine. It's not that, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a very miserable woman. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord. Please don't think I'm a bad woman. I have been praying because of all my troubles and grief. Go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked him for, Eli replied. Thank you for your kindness to your servant, she said. Then she went on her way, had something to eat, and she didn't look sad anymore. Elkanah and Hannah got up early the next morning to worship the Lord, and then they went home to Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord honored her request. In due course, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Elkanah and all his family went to make the yearly sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, but Hannah did not go. She told her husband, once the boy is weaned, I will take him to be presented to the Lord and to remain there forever. Do as you see fit, her husband Elkanah replied. Stay here until you have weaned him. May the Lord fulfill what he has said. So Hannah stayed behind and nursed her son until she had weaned him. When she had weaned him, Hannah took the boy with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a wineskin containing wine. Even though the boy was young, she brought him to the Lord's temple at Shiloh. After they had slaughtered the bull, they presented the boy to Eli. Please, my lord, said Hannah, as surely as you live, my lord, I am the woman who stood here 
with you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord has given me what I asked him for, now I'm giving him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he will be dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2. Hannah prayed, I'm so happy in the Lord. He has empowered me. Now I have plenty to say in answer to those who hate me. I celebrate your salvation. There's no one holy like the Lord, no one apart from you, no rock like our God. Don't speak so conceitedly. Don't talk so arrogantly, for the Lord is a God who knows everything. Doesn't he judge what you do? The weapons of the powerful are shattered, while those who stumble along are made strong. Those who used to have plenty of food now have to work to earn a crust, while those who used to be hungry now have become fat. The woman who was childless now has seven children, while the woman with many children fades away. The Lord kills and he revives. He sends some down to the grave, but he raises others up. The Lord makes some poor, but others rich. He brings some down, but he lifts others up. He helps the poor up from the dust. He raises the low-born from the trash pile and seats them with the upper class in places of honor. For the foundations of the earth belong to the Lord, and he has placed the world on them. He will take care of those who trust him, but the wicked vanish into darkness, for people don't succeed through their own strength. The Lord crushes his enemies. He thunders against them from heaven. He rules the whole earth. He strengthens his king and gives power to the one he has anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, while the boys stayed with Eli the priest, serving the Lord. Eli's sons were worthless men who didn't have any time for the Lord or their role as priests to the people. They would send one of their servants over with a fork when anyone came to offer a sacrifice. The servant would stick the fork into the pot while the meat from the sacrifice was being boiled and would take whatever meat came up on the fork to Eli's sons. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. In fact, even before the fat of the sacrifice was burned up, the servant would come and demand from the man sacrificing, Give me meat to roast for the priest. He doesn't want boiled meat from you. He wants it raw. The man might answer, Let me first burn up all the fat, and then you can have as much as you want. But the priest's servant would reply, No, you must give it to me now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. The sins of these young men were extremely serious from the Lord's perspective because they were treating with contempt the Lord's offerings. But Samuel served before the Lord, a boy dressed as a priest, wearing a linen ephod. Every year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to replace the one she prayed for and dedicated to the Lord. Then they would return home. The Lord blessed Hannah with three sons and two daughters. The boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Eli was very old. However, he had heard about all the things his sons were doing to the people of Israel and how they were seducing the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He asked them, Why are you doing all this? I keep on hearing from everyone about your evil actions. No, my sons, the report I hear about you from the Lord's people isn't good. If a man sins against someone, God can intercede for him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who is going to intercede for him? But they didn't pay attention to what their father said, for the Lord was planning to put them to death. The boy Samuel grew physically and also grew in the approval of both the Lord and the people. 
A man of God came to Eli and told him, This is what the Lord says. Didn't I very clearly reveal myself to your forefathers' family when they were ruled by the Pharaoh in Egypt? I chose him out of all the tribes of Israel as my priest to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave to your forefathers' family all the Israelites' offerings made with fire. So why have you treated with contempt my sacrifices and offerings that I have ordered for my place of worship? You honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves with the best parts of all the offerings from my people Israel. Consequently, this is the declaration of the Lord. I made a definite promise that your family and your father's family would always serve me as priests. But now the Lord declares, Not anymore! Instead, I will honor those who honor me. But those who despise me I will treat with contempt. The time is coming when I will bring your family and your father's family to an end. No one will live to an old age. You will see tragedy in the place of worship. While Israel will prosper, no one in your family will ever again reach old age. Any one of your family not cut off from serving at my altar will make your eyes weep and cause you grief. All your descendants will die when full of life. Here is a sign for you that this will happen regarding your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Both will die on the same day. I will choose for myself a trustworthy priest who will do what I really want, what I have in mind. I will make sure he and his descendants are trustworthy and they will always serve my anointed one. Every one of your descendants who is left will come and bow down to him, asking for money and food, saying, Please give me work as a priest so that I can have food to eat. 1 Samuel chapter 3 The boy Samuel served before the Lord under Eli's supervision. At that time, messages from the Lord were rare. Visions were not common. One evening, Eli had gone to bed in his room. His eyes were now so weak that he couldn't see. The lamp of God hadn't gone out yet, and Samuel was sleeping in the Lord's temple, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel. He answered, I'm here. He ran to Eli and said, I'm here, you called me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed. Then the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, I'm here, you called me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli replied. Go back to bed. Samuel hadn't yet come to know the Lord and had not received any message from him. The Lord called again for the third time, Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, I'm here, you called me? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. Eli told Samuel, go back to bed. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to his bed. The Lord came and stood there, calling just as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, because your servant is listening. The Lord told Samuel, Pay attention, because I'm going to do something in Israel that will surprise everyone who hears it. That's when I will carry out against Eli and his family everything I have said from beginning to end. I told him that I will judge his family forever because of the sins he knows about, because his sons blasphemed God and he did not try to stop them. That's why I swore to Eli and his family, the guilt of Eli and his descendants will never be removed by sacrifice or offering. Samuel remained in bed until morning. 
Then he got up and opened the doors of the Lord's temple as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. I'm here, Samuel answered. What did he tell you? Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you very severely if you hide anything he told you from me. So Samuel told him everything and didn't hide anything from him. It's the Lord, Eli replied. May he do what he thinks is good. Samuel continued to grow up. The Lord was with him and made sure all he said was trustworthy. Everyone in the whole of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The Lord went on appearing at Shiloh, because there he revealed himself to Samuel and delivered his messages. Okay, so we're beginning to see a portrait of Samuel painted as a man of good character. Looking back on this day in history, happy birthday today to the woman who wrote happy birthday. Patty Smith Hill was born this day, 1868. She was a school teacher and an author, wrote the lyrics of the song, Good Morning to All, which later became known as Happy Birthday to You. Her older sister, Mildred J. Hill, composed the melody for the song, which was first published in 1893, as a classroom greeting in the book, Song Stories for Sunday School. Eleven years after writing the song, Hill added a stanza beginning with Happy Birthday to You. It wasn't long before that simple song became the most frequently sung song in the world. Patti Smith Hill died in 1946 at age 78. Looking at the scriptures, it was certainly a happy birthday for Hannah who, after long years of praying, gave birth to little Samuel. Hannah's life had been hard. Her husband loved her dearly and she loved her husband. However, her deepest desire to become a mother had not been realized. Hannah went before God in passionate prayer, and the loving Heavenly Father heard her pleas. She promised God that she would give her boy back to him if he healed her of her barrenness. God faithfully kept his promise to her, and the last judge of Israel was born. Hannah was careful to keep her oath to God. To her surprise and delight, God honored her with more children. Looking deeper, faithful worship reaps rich rewards. Samuel's parents went faithfully to Shiloh each year to worship God. It was there that God made a beautiful promise to them. No matter how much we are loved, if our life's dream is unfulfilled, there is an awful void. Elkanah loved Hannah totally, but it was not enough. She wanted a son. At times, even our spiritual leaders misunderstand the burden of our hearts. Eli mistook Hannah's desperate prayers as drunkenness. He was dead wrong. God always keeps his promises. Just as God promised, Hannah gave birth to a son whom she was determined to give back to God as an offering of thanksgiving. God always rewards us when we keep our word. Hannah gave Samuel to the Lord as she had promised. God graciously gave her three more sons and two daughters. Give man enough time, he's going to break a promise. But God can always be trusted to keep his promise. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let's end with prayer. Help me to be faithful in my worship, Lord, because I know that this greatly pleases you. May I always remember that as I submit to your perfect will, things turn out well for me. My friend said something to me some time back. We have to learn how to let God love us. Well, how do you do that? 
by building a relationship with the Lord. Well, how do you do that? By reading his word and through prayer and developing your prayer life. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. 1 Peter 1.7 says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we find ourselves praying out of circumstance. Pray for wisdom, pray for knowledge, pray for understanding, and of course, pray for others. Thank you for listening to the Bible Podcast. Looking forward to being with you in Samuel chapter 4.